Welcome to the season one finale of the perfect movie soundtrack, where the movie needs the soundtrack as much as the soundtrack needs the movie. Got a bit of a different episode for you this week. We're going to do a couple different things. We're going to talk about Christmas songs that we like from particular Christmas movies. We're also going to do some retrospective stuff. We're going to talk about things that we enjoyed this season, maybe things we didn't enjoy so much this season. Mostly, I'd say this is an episode for the fans. If this is your first time listening to the Perfect Movie Soundtrack podcast, welcome. We're happy to have you. But a lot of this is going to make more sense if you listen to a couple previous episodes first. You pick up some holiday shit and you're feeling good and you got to you put your scarf back. You swoop your scarf over your shoulder and you're going out the door with a wreath on your arm. And you're like, have a good holiday. Matt lives every minute in a When Harry Met Sally like. Yeah, it is. That was a very When Harry Met Sally picturesque moment. Oh, my God. (laughs) This has been such a fun year of this dumb podcast we are making together. We'll edit in um, brilliant later instead of dumb but go ahead yeah could we get a, could we get a couple uh, alternative uh, uh adjectives here really quick more superlatives gonna be like, like this brilliant it's been amazing it's been so fun making this groundbreaking heartbreaking work of staggering genius Love it. with you people mark it <laughs> here's how we're gonna close down the year we could have looked at a christmas movie of course we could have we almost did. We, none of them have a good enough soundtrack. And this is they coming from uh, a true. Christmas music movie aficionado, we should add. And it's not that my standards yes. are so high that nothing meets them. It's that nothing is varied enough to justify a deep dive. Yeah. So right. 86 that. And can I also add what what I when we were having this conversation, I realized, holy crap you're allowed to say shit on the podcast <laughs> I, I, I wanted to elevate it past dumb <laughs> um now we have to keep in the dumb if we want to keep that joke in the edit um but i realize horror movies and christmas have a lot in common where they both really mm. depend on instrumental music to get your emotions going yeah they really do it's a different set of emotions but they're using they're manipulating in the same way which is like all in good fun. Yes, 100%. And for the same reason that we've never really landed on like the ideal horror soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't feel like we had like an ideal Christmas soundtrack. So what we're going to do instead is a little uh, kind of back and forth do do of of two things. Our favorite holiday movie songs and just a little bit of like, uh, it's the end of season one. And yay, yay. not right? not yay because it's over. Yay because you know, hey, well, this is fun. So is this is this the office? Is this the office holiday party? It is. It kind of is. That's it why I've got this lampshade on my head. Party. I thought this was my hat. <laughs> I was like, why is Joshua handing out co- photocopies of his ass? He keeps, email- he keeps is- emailing them to me from his uh, printer scanner. As long as nobody <laughs> ends up in like an executive's office with the door closed, we'll be in great shape. Well, you're the executive, so. Yeah. <laughs> Don't slip into our DMs while during the podcast. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk a little bit about like what what uh, our favorite uh, highs and lows of season one are, um, and we'll we'll alternate that with some talk about uh, Christmas movie songs. Melikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where pa 
I am going to kick us off with a little Christmas song called Melekalikimaka is the wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Which, as any right-thinking American knows, is the Bing Crosby <laughs> cultural shit show that plays underneath Clark W. Griswold's cool fantasy scene, yes. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think we should. I think we should watch it, Josh. I'll hit the link. All right. I'm happy to watch this scene. <laughs> Uh, this is a scene. It's just occurring to me how much this is influenced by Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I was just going to yeah. say that's the same shot. And even bathing yeah. suit. Yeah, I think this bathing suit is actually kind of important. It's a one piece and it's red, like Baywatch red. Yeah. It also has an underwire, which, as we all know, does amazing things for everyone. It's not even a, like a scoop back. It's like actually what would today would be considered a very modest bathing suit, except for the high French cut on the thighs. But 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 Clark is watching through his window. Imagining. It's incredible how different her inner monologue is than mine during this scene. <laughs> I was like, oh yes, the French. All right, so you're saying Clark cut. is watching. All right, so Clark has gone to uh, you know whatever the fuck the Chicago uh, department store is. And he has encountered Mary at the lingerie counter. And uh, and now he is fantasizing about her in the pool that his Christmas bonus uh, relies on. And he's, he's watching her like take off this red swimsuit this baywatch swimsuit is like proto who is she is she a model from the time or she's she was a model yeah uh her last name she her name is nicolette scorsese she's no relation to martin she doesn't really have much of a career after this but because she looks too much like carol alt she has some real carol alt vibes good call joshua yeah um and it's a great scene and at the end like what interrupts it is I hope you will all recall Ruby Sue coming in uh, because she, his daughter. Uh, no, actually, uh, cous- oh, cousin oh, okay. Eddie's daughter. Oh yeah, you're. Oh, right, oh right. okay, okay. Who who is worried that Santa Claus isn't going to visit her because he hasn't visited her the last couple of years, and Clark has to be Aww. like, no, like I know Santa Claus comes to this house. This movie is probably more important to my family of origin than like. Any mythology about like our own ancestors. We we watch this movie <laughs> together every year. Um, this is this is starting at what what age for you? Like your whole life? Oh yeah, no, my definitely like my whole life. Like like your your earliest Christmas memories yes. are watching this with your family. Yes, yes. And Before you were thirteen, so definitely. technically illegal. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know what year the movie is. Uh, I mean, I was. I was a kid, um, but yes, we have been watching this movie every year together. I'm going to guess 89. That That's sounds about right. Put, yeah. Putting it on the books. Yeah. I was I was something in the neighborhood of like 10, 11 years old when it came out. It is 1989. Yeah. Boom. I just and it up. Well done, Nailed Joshua. It. I could tell Matt was looking it up. <laughs> and uh, 
and we Making my and we watch face. it every year. And as <laughs> as the culture has evolved, and as the children have grown older, we have increasingly turned to watching it all stoned together, which is hmm. <laughs> a million times better for sure. Um, and we all just sit around and laugh hysterically while we watch this trash movie. And I could recite the whole thing to you. And it's just to me, it is like the heart of Christmas. Mm. And Meli Kalikimaka is so fucking problematic. Like, Hawaiian, native Hawaiian doesn't have the same phonemes that English has. So, Bing Crosby has this like song in 1950, 1949, something like that, middle of the century, where the songwriter has basically just like bastardized moving from mm-hmm. Merry Christmas step by step into. A Hawaiian scare quotes version. And that was popular, right? The Hawaii novelty yes. culture where yes, they were like bikinis totally. from Bikini Island. And, and it's a disaster of yep. a song. But the scene itself is such a departure from the rest of the movie and is so iconic. And the song, you would, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, when was the last time you heard that song in any other holiday context? It's not one that like no, your friends are going to put on a playlist. No. It's, yeah. So, uh, to me, it is up there with the very best moments of a song in a Christmas movie. Wow. Wow. I also think it's amazing that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation became its own thing. And like, there are very few movies that's a third. Oh, that's a good point. Installment. Yeah. And this is pre yeah. where everything's an installment. We won't get into, we did, we beat the MCU to death in our last episode. So we won't get into that. But like, when you're not part of some kind of like multi movie juggernaut, it's very rare when people like a third movie. And then this movie almost feels separate from the first two vacations. They also change the kids every movie, which is I mean, kind you, of a fun, weird. I mean, John Hughes move. didn't, John Hughes didn't want to make it. He wasn't into it. He was like, mm-hmm. these have become nothing but a Chevy chase vehicle. I yeah. don't want to do it, but he had a short story that, uh, that he was able to base the script on. And he was like, okay, fine. I will like churn out one more of these for you. You definitely hear this brought up a, a tenfold times more than European vacation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as fun as European vacation is, it's just not as rewatchable as Christmas vacation. There's mm. something about yeah. the story in Christmas vacation that is so fucking relatable to so many Americans. Well, they gut punch you when like the poor kids are, are like, we don't haven't gotten Christmas presents for years. You really, I remember you watch it and you really feel sad. Yeah. It has like these true Like you're laughing about moments. like some stupid sex joke and like whatever. Yeah. And then you're like, you get emotional. If you it. see that as a kid, I mean, uh, that's about, I mean, that's probably top five worst thing that could happen to you. Right. Yeah, like you see yeah. Harry yeah. Potter, you see Harry Potter and you find out his parents are dead and you're like, that's bad, but not quite as bad as that kid I saw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did get yeah, it. woke up. No Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah. And um, there are also all these things about Christmas vacation that, like, as you go through life, you almost everybody experiences in one way or another. Like, I remember when my grandmother has Alzheimer's and my family. Oh, this we is were gonna be like, fun. We were caring for her <laughs> so deeply, and we all loved her so much. And we spent like almost ten years in that place. Every Christmas in that period when Aunt Bethany uh, at the at the end sings the Star Spangled Banner because she's confused about what the right song that to sing is, so is. and, and then says, great. play ball! 
<laughs> we loved it. We loved it. It was such a release to see. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there just there's so many really the in-laws fighting, the teenagers being annoyed. Yeah. Like it touches on a whole host of from lower to upper middle class American Christmas tropes in a way that is, to my mind, just uh, utterly unmatched. Uh, Cousin Eddie and his whole clan always reminds me of that uh, Robert Earl Keane song, Merry Christmas from the Family. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> that just like there's that there's that wheels offness about it all that's that I enjoy. Brother Ken brought his kids with him. The three from his first wife Lynn. And the two identical twins from his second wife Mary Nell. Of course, he brought his new wife Kay. He talks all about hey, Chain smoking while the stereo plays. Noel, Noel, the first Noel. Um, you guys, in uh, in this in this season, we have looked at nineteen movies. That spanned 45 years of releases. From 1972 to 2017. Wow. I have counted up to seven genres that we've covered. Okay, cool. Let's hear it. Action, adventure, comedy, drama, thriller, horror, romance. We're doing pretty good. By the way, I'm I'm not treating a romantic comedy as its own category. It's in there with romance. Well, I'd say (laughs) go ahead. We've had two special guests. I counted it Joe twice. Joe Valise, when we the were uh, looking at Scream 1 and 2, and Jeremiah Zagar, when we were uh, thinking about Hustle. Oh, yeah, Dan, Dan Deacon, Deacon as well. We have... Who has entered oh, yeah, all of Dan. my playlists yes, at this um, point. Like, he comes on my algorithm all the time now, and it's it's uh, so welcome. I'm, I've, I've, I've become a fan. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Every once great. in a while, the algorithm delivers for you. We've had two special episodes, our summer blockbuster uh, and our Halloween special with TV theme songs. We had a mini bonus episode to discuss <laughs> the very important topic of the 1995 Oscar Best oh, Picture yeah, nominee. Is our, our least listened to episode, by the way. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's five minutes. That's going to be on the yeah, B-sides sure. of the box set when we release it. It's a, it's, that's for the real heads. You that's know? for the real heads. If you have been listening all along, you will have heard at least four uh academic terms we have coined because we couldn't discuss what we were up to without them. The big soundtrack era, shadow soundtracks, invisible soundtracks, jukebox soundtracks. And we have crossed more than 10,000 downloads. So, I think it's been a good year, guys. It seems like it. I mean, I've had a lot of fun with it. I've, I've, I've enjoyed the interactions that I get from people who, you know, like it and, uh, I enjoy it and I'm kind of a tough, tough sell on my own stuff. So like, you know, the fact that I'm, that I enjoy it is, I don't know, to me, it's something it matters. I don't, I don't, (laughs) you should write us a review. (laughs) You're like, I usually don't like my own stuff, guys. Five stars. I'll say it has given a really lovely intellectual cadence and shape to my year. I have really enjoyed being forced to watch something 
with care, to listen to something with care, to discuss it with care, to prepare that discussion for other people with care. That is like legitimately a genuine gift that I am legitimately grateful for. That said, <laughs> what is the absolute worst movie oh, we have watched? This is a fun question. For me, for me, it's Judgment Night, and I don't want to sit on, spoil anybody else's choices, so I won't say what yeah. my runner-ups would be, but there's others on this list that I think I didn't like, but, uh-huh. but they were going for something, and me not liking them was a matter of taste or a matter of missing it or something, and I, and I think Judgment <laughs> Night is just indefensibly freaking terrible <laughs> mine was I, mine was judgment night oh my too, god and mine was, was too was, oh poor judgment oh. night well because <laughs> judgment night is so bad but it's not even it doesn't even cross the line into so ridiculously no, bad that it's like fun charlie's angels yeah. yeah it's like boring bad which is the yeah like you can you can like get lost in a scene and be like oh whoops i was yeah. accidentally enjoying that scene and like, you know, but Judgment Night, you're just like, what? And then the, and then you're like, okay, maybe this will be a really funny, ridiculous fight. Yeah. And then like nothing happens. And like, they don't even give you like the shitty fun movie stuff. It's just a slog. Wow. Poor Judgment Night. I want to pick something else now. But As we covered at length, they they don't use the, mu- the music. So like yeah, on top of everything the else, they don't even use the music. Yeah. It's rough getting through Judgment Night. Well, that that's that's a pretty clear winner in yeah. that category, right? Three right. for three, the worst movie. Congratulations we watched a lot of movies to Judgment year, Night. We all disagreed on a lot of them, and uh, yet that was the clear, hands-down winner for worst movie of 2022, the perfect movie soundtrack. It, it really is. Yeah. However, lest any listeners decide now, I will never listen to the Judgment Night episode, let oh. me say... Yeah. That the one song that stood out to me across all 20 episodes, okay. the one that I played the most number of times, <laughs> the one that I was like, I'm so glad the show has resurrected this song for me and forced it to be back in my consciousness so that I can listen to it every second that I'm able to do so. I love you, Mary Jane. Is... Hands down for me, the song that I probably uh, like overdid as a result of our show this year. Okay, so you got so, the worst and and the takeaway song. I mean, the yeah. worst, the worst movie and the takeaway song. Yeah, for sure. Matt, do you what? What would be your takeaway song? My single song. You, let me let me think. You go while I think about that. Well, I think that my. Mine would probably pretty clearly is the Marianne Faithful song. Uh, um, from Thelma ba- and Louise. From Thelma and Louise, the ballad of Lucy Jordan. But, you know, I made that really clear at the time. I think I'll say that um, all year long, since Pretty in Pink, Bring on the Dancing Horses has hit harder for me. <laughs> and I've, I've always liked that song, and I like them, Echo and the Bunnymen, but... It's just for some reason when I hear it now, I have like extra resonance. With That's it. awesome. It, it, like I like it even more than I did before, and I guess I, you know what I could say that about a number of songs on that that we've done this year. And uh, one of the things that happens, it's you know partially from like 
editing the songs in and stuff is I often leave the process liking the soundtrack more than when we recorded the episode. We're like, we're, you know, so I'll often like say like, oh, this, uh, this uh, soundtrack is trash. <laughs> I hate this song. I hate this. And by the end of like editing things in, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I kind of like that. When Harry Met Sally was a really good example. By the end, I was like, yeah, this, I like these old standards after trash. Oh my God. So I can't but, believe you just admitted that. But, Edit that shit it's out. It's true. There are standards for a reason. Because they set a standard. <laughs> but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. So I think... Yeah, go for it, Matt. What you got? For me, I think, I, I think I've overdosed and I'm so familiar with a lot of these soundtracks that for me, my first thought that came to my head, and then I was like looking at other stuff and I was like, is this really it? But I love the... The one I love to like sing to myself and hear and put on is actually uh, You Can Get It If You Really Want by Jimmy Cliff. You can get it if you really That song is just stuck in my brain all the... You can get it. No, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like a yeah. perfect little melody, and it brought me back to that. Yeah, 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 that's a good um, one. Yeah. You know, and again, like Judgment Night, that's a tough watch. You can maybe watch it in a film nerd academic way and get into that, but you can't just put it on like Dirty Dancing. No, you know what you I mean? definitely can't. But that soundtrack, <laughs> I was just so into it. I probably played that soundtrack before and after the episode. Yeah. That's a test to me, because a lot of times I don't go back to the soundtrack after the episode yet, and we're on to the next one. Yeah. But that one I'll still throw on a track on. So I'm just going right. to go with that for now. We we have been fortunate to listen to a lot of great music together. I mean, year, yeah, we've, we've covered a lot of great songs, for sure. And plenty of bad music. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of bad music. And my... <laughs> My my algorithm is paying the price for that because if I just put on random on my algorithm, it's like it's it's everything. I mean, it has no clue what I want to hear. Like it's just like oh, we've defeated the AI. That's another accomplishment. Damn, good on us. Strangely enough, my pick was also in this, uh, oh, Heather, I guess we're both in the big soundtrack era. Yes, definitely. So 1988, 1989, and this is fun because like I was saying, modern classics, as we get older, you get our own classic, like... Who would know that Mariah Carey would have a Christmas classic, that we would have Christmas classic movies. And the reason I'm picking this is the opening sequence of Die Hard. He gets into a limo. He's New York John McClane, played by Bruce Willis. And he's going to uh, meet his wife in LA. And he's in a limo. And the cool, hip, young limo driver who wears sunglasses, no matter if the sun's out or not, puts in a tape. And you hear... Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees. Decorate the house with lights at night. Snow's on the ground, snow white so bright. And then I believe Bruce Willis said something like, I thought this was Christmas music. And he's like, it is Christmas music. And then the movie really opens to it and you see the famous tower. And it's a great vibe for an action movie for Nakatomi (laughs) Plaza. And... It's the most well-known um, plaza in America, probably. <laughs> Dealy plaza. Well, there's always the plaza for us, for us rom-com aficionados <laughs> and lovers of New York. Um, but it just really sets the vibe. And I really don't want to argue if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. Because I think what happened, by, just because that became this like new trope of social media, or by just talking about if it is or not, they accidentally just 
put it into the uh, Christmas movie world, whether they like it, it or not. It was a Christmas movie before the discourse, but I agree the yeah. discourse solidified it yeah. as a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah you so don't even you have can't to, have yeah. the conversation yeah. anymore because is Die Hard a Christmas movie is its own joke anyway. But it yeah. opens up with this great Christmas song, and it's fun because obviously it's a new genre. It's hip-hop and rap doing Christmas in an action movie, and I hate to use my favorite 90s term ever where I think they took the most advantage. I know the French have been using it since the 60s, but it feels very postmodern to have a cool rap song in LA (laughs) in an action movie um, that will be later argued if it is a Christmas movie or not. Um, And the song is just great. It uses like an old horn sample from, I think, Backdoor Santa from like the 60s. song clarence carter's back to santa also the rendition of christmas that the story in the song tells is such a joyful version of christmas yeah and it's definitely about growing up in queens and christmas and it's kind of perfect because john mcclain is like what is this right sure i'm an old-fashioned guy but he's also a new york guy and it's a very new york song coming into la it just fits really. It fits really well. It, it's also Run DMC at the absolute peak. The height I of mean, their powers. You know, 86 is Raising Hell, 88 Tougher Than Leather. This is like the one of the biggest groups in the universe. I mean, people dress like them. People yeah. aspire to them. Everybody knows their names. I mean, how many groups, you know, of any musical group of multiple people, does everybody know all of the people's names? Not that. Yeah, many. it's that and like the Beatles. Right. And what's also where this song came from is this is a very formative album. I've learned for me and Heather, because we are Christmas music nerds. And if you don't like Christmas music, we don't think very highly. We of you. certainly don't. Joshua, you're coming around. You're coming around. I want you to come to a party at our house. <laughs> because... <laughs> Any, I haven't heard a good argument against Christmas music, holiday music, because it's just all about, oh, it's very perfect for soundtracks. It's weird it's not in, I think it's in more soundtracks now, but. Um, it is so perfect for soundtracks because it's, it's, it's all it's vibe. Part of the, yes, it's all nonsense it's all vibe. vibe and it's yes, wonderful. 100%. And it's all about resurrecting like this level of surprise in your mix. It's, it is a perfect, yeah. if you're, if you are the youth. And you've never had to create a mixtape. A Christmas playlist is a perfect way in. It is like. That's a great gateway drug. It is. It's mm-hmm. like you have to have some standards. You have to have some classics. You have to yeah. have some surprises. You have to have some, some weirdo like ones, yeah. genre crossover moments. We had some mm-hmm. impromptu guests on Saturday who we didn't know were going to be in town until like the day before. And we were still decorating our tree on Saturday and they're, they're close friends and they were bringing some friends of their own. And so we didn't feel like it was a little weird to decorate the tree around them right so we ended up kind of decorating the tree together and Mm -hmm. like maybe hour five that they were hanging out one of them turned to me and was like samples this playlist is still going and nothing has repeated like how long is your christmas playlist (laughs) how proud were you were you just beaming i was brighter than the christmas tree i was illuminated matt i was the fucking rock center tree i was like do you want to DiCaprio on the front of the boat underneath (laughs) my majesty and i turned to the (laughs) turned to itunes i was like oh it looks like there's still two hours and 43 minutes wow but the very formative album i'm referencing is the 1987 very special christmas 
which Run DMC has Christmas and Hollis on, they were asked to be on this compilation for the Special Olympics. It was like one of these charity albums. I had it on vinyl growing up. Um, you know, when you were like, when vinyl was kind of yeah. leaving for tapes. Um, and we would put it on every Christmas because we had we still had the old uh, record player. For those of room. you who have a visual memory, but not like a concrete memory of this, these are the albums with the Keith Haring cover yes. art. It's like yeah. red and then they made, but anyway, Run DMC didn't want to do it. And the producer pitched my idea of like, make your own song Christmas in Hollis. And he actually said, dude, talk about Christmas in Queens. They said, cool. They accidentally wrote a classic, but on this album from 1987, it is such a 1987 Christmas album. Cause you have Whitney Houston, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, Madonna, Bob Seger. So good. Um, <laughs> I'm missing some, there's a bunch. And if you're a kid and it's 1987 and these are like pop stars on TV, and MTV singing all these Christmas songs. We were just obsessed with this as kids. And it's, you know, and it's, it feels like yours and not your parents' classics. Also, Rick Rubin, of course, helped produce uh, Christmas mm-hmm. in Hollis. Of course he did. <laughs> and chalk another one up for Rick Rubin. Was that your like definitive, like your family's Christmas record, mm. Matt? For young, yeah, for my mom used to put on, because I think my, my grandmother used to play it. She used to put on the Johnny Mathis Christmas record. <laughs> You know, which is like old Brooklyn grandma style. So like a couple of those are just like lodged in my head. Maybe Frank Sinatra, you know, those. But this was the one where we were like. That you owned it. This is the cool one. And then our parents liked it because, you know, there was like Bob Seger and Bruce Springsteen and everyone loves Whitney Houston. So it was like the family jam. And then we had the second one too. I think Tom Petty's on that one. Nice. He gets the, he's in Home Alone 2. That song is in Home Alone 2. Obey. What is it? I don't know. Oh, baby, it's Christmas all over again. I forget the title, though, but that's the chorus. Christmas all over again, I think is oh, the title Oh, baby, of it. it's Christmas. That's actually a pretty good. T- Tom Petty enters a really solid. It's it's on my it's on my list, Matt. That's excellent, because Tom <laughs> Petty, he enters a very solid Christmas song. It's just like a very petty, very good, listenable Christmas song. Into Who the, knew uh, Petty could write a, a song? Um, <laughs> Did yeah. you have a family Christmas album, Joshua? One of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been planning uh, this stuff for this episode is like just thinking about the whole year and thinking about where there's crossovers and stuff. And as you were talking about that, Matt, I realized that ours when we were little kids is like the biggest crossover for what things we've talked about this year because ours when I was a little kid was John Denver and the Muppets. Yes. Get out yes yeah a christmas together we we had it i don't know my parents must have bought it or something at some point that was like the thing that we played all the time like that was just like the go-to record that the kid that we would you me or my sisters would go grab yeah and you get excited to put it on again sure yeah yeah we come full circle boys we come full circle well i think (laughs) one of the things i've learned about this podcast and my podcast hosts is especially heather's hatred of nostalgia and cultural nostalgia you, but you're a fan of people of personal nostalgia definitely personal nostalgia definitely your totally own fine. because that defines <laughs> yeah. from cheers to 100% this fine yes and yes. and you like hearing about others everyone is allowed their own little like, universe they yeah. just can't turn it into a you pole. get mad when it's collective <laughs> nostalgia that's when yeah, you're like hold on guys Everyone gets their own nostalgia. There's no sharing. Yes. And you can enjoy other people's nostalgia. But if anyone does it together. If we're going to call back to the beginning of the year. Is collective nostalgia a butcher knife or a warm? I don't even remember what the rest of the quote was. It's a, it's a weapon. The that's options? for sure. Uh, was it a butcher knife or a 
warm blanket that you wrap yourself up in and your family or something? I don't remember. No, it was like, is it a knife that you murder someone with or cook your family yes, dinner with? Yes, that's what it was. There you go. Something yeah. like that. It's a weapon and a tool. Okay. And you can use it. It's like fire. It's like fire. Fire can be used for good and bad. It's a great point. And I'm glad we figured that out this season. <laughs> that is this, that is nostal- that's the big takeaway. Nostalgia is like fire. It can be used for good and bad. Well, it's Christmas time again. Decorations are on by the fire. want to tell you guys the my absolute favorite movie that we have watched this year is train spotting mm. and i never would have expected that to be the case i think it was just it had been just long enough since i'd seen it that it felt mm-hmm. fresh and new to me again and i was just stunned by what a remarkable piece of filmmaking it is and listening to the two of you talk about it made me feel that even more i really enjoyed watching it alongside you it is in my book the best of the movies that we have watched so far i don't want to do a three for three thing so i'm not gonna agree with you (laughs) although i i I, okay i'll agree with the end of what you said i think it's the best thing we saw i i I also agree i think it's 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 a real perfect movie Um, but I'm going to pick Dirty Dancing because I just went into it not really expecting that much. And, uh, I liked it so much more than I thought I would. Uh, First of all, I thought I had seen it and didn't really like it that much. And it turns out, I don't think I'd even seen it and I loved it. Uh, so I'm going to pick Dirty Dancing because it was just, it was just a lot more, a lot more fun, a lot more heart, a lot, a lot, just a lot better movie than I gave it credit for. And I'll also say that it has occurred to me recently, I thought it was crazy at the time that her name was Baby because who the hell ends up being 20 years old or whatever and their name is Baby? And now I can totally see it because I call my kid Baby more than I call her by her name. I call her Baby like 100 times a day. I'm like, oh, I can totally see how yeah, this Yeah, lasts. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, too, because not until this podcast did I ever associate Baby Driver with Dirty Dancing. <laughs> But we have mm-hmm. two two baby main characters. Nobody puts baby driver in a corner. <laughs> that, I love that. Have people said that? That's great. Oh, I never did. Um, I don't, I'm not going to... Do I have to say mine out loud? You when Harry Met Sally? Do you really think it's the best yeah, movie fucking, we've watched? No, it's my favorite. Because uh, that is the uh, one that Ollie might even watch this month before Christmas. <laughs> uh, it's the, the sanitized Woody Allen... <laughs> Rob Reiner, uh, unhealthy male relationship <laughs> with Meg Ryan. That might be her beginning and her peak to me. I don't know that movie just, but you know, that's, there's probably lots of other things going on that makes that my, uh, you know, pretty in pink comfort movie like that you have. But I think the best movie that I was like, this is well-made and well-told and well-crafted is actually Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Huh. That would be on my short list as well. I always thought Thelma Louise was cool. And then watching it older, I was thinking it just felt part of the conversation now when people talk about what's the uh, Bechdel rule. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The Bechdel you know, rule. And that was something that I heard do after two that women, movie. Yeah. Do, 
Do two women talk to each other about something other than men? Yeah, in a movie. And just having two women talk, you know, and you see people creating these scenes in TV now and movies because everyone's so aware of it. But Thelma and Louise was right there. And it's just so much fun to watch. It's a you know? really it's good just, movie. I hope it grows into more. I hope it grows past its, um, you know, it's it's part of like this this cultural moment. And everyone knows Thelma and Louise jump off the cliff at the end. Right. It's, it's this like cool Americana feminist road movie, whatever. But I hope it gets, I think it deserves more film. Credit. I have not. And yeah. I know people are Ridley Scott fans, but it still hasn't been put. It has not. In there with his other movies. And I think it might be in the future when people watch it. More. I hope so. I it definitely do not. I do not hear it get brought up in the, uh, the film nerd conversations. Pretty much ever. Yeah. yeah because film it, nerds it, are bros. It, yeah, that's It does true, deserve yeah. it. You're right. It's it's a better movie than the culture ultimately gives it credit for. It deserves yeah, a little And it back. deserves its cultural moment, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then it kind of became a punchline. But there's great lines in it. There's great scenarios. There's just great fun movie making. There's and then the great characters. In it. mm -hmm. It's funny. It's super adventurous. It's like touching. You might tear up. And then it has fucking crazy explosions in it for no reason. Like when they blow up the 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 oil tanker car thing. It does not have the best soundtrack, though, no. I will say. Like, wow, if I, that would be my pick for later on in the show when we talk about soundtracks. That was I, one I, like, that editing the, the songs in did not make me like the soundtrack more. I have to say it is the one movie I would pay to give a better soundtrack yeah to. i'm so glad I, we watched I, it though and the soundtrack works I in the movie too. but I am too. you you, you and don't want it wanna... has a couple of standouts but it deserves like a balls out soundtrack yeah. and it does not yeah. when they remake it it'll get a it'll get a big it'll get a big uh you know I it'll mean, be, it'll to be get a guardians of the galaxy level outlay of cash oh god it'll just be like dolly parton songs all the obvious big ones <laughs> i was gonna try to name like young people whose songs would be in it but then i realized that nobody i named is gonna be under like 35 <laughs> you can get in i don't i don't know about taylor swift's older stuff i just know about her pop stuff now because of my daughter but she used to do country stuff you throw one of those in there that's the retro song for the young people that's all you need <laughs> it was christmas eve you guys so when you guys were compiling these lists of like legendary christmas songs i realized that i you know i don't really have a strong connection to movies and christmas songs necessarily or like, i guess i don't know not as strong as you two which i guess means that you know not as strong as the people with the strongest you're a normal person <laughs> your favorite movie is it's a you're right are you gonna talk about your favorite, favorite movie? movie is it's a wonderful life and i do like lose my shit at the end every single time and 20 times through that, that well. sounds like a connection but, to me Joshua. but the song is old lang syne come to the dark we've side we've already talked about that in what episode okay. did we talk about that one the best ep i mean when harry met sally <laughs> When Harry met Sally, yes, yes, yes. When Harry met Sally, we talked about that one. So, you know, uh, what else am I going to say about that? In starting to think about, okay, well, well, like, what am I interested in? I realized that, you know, and this is coming back to the idea of that, like, what the what the podcast has kind of been for me is that I I've really enjoyed the deep dives and the and the like finding something and like like un like clicking on a link, clicking on a link, clicking on a link, clicking on a link, <laughs> and then being like, holy shit, she sang the family ties thing? <laughs> like, that's like yeah, been fun, yeah. you know, all year long, or you guys like having these stories that I'm just like, what? At that's one crazy. point, you had the best, I think you were talking about the family ties, Steve, you had the best uh, quote, I forgot what it was, but you said, apparently, 
anything can be interesting if you start looking it up and you were like anytime i look things up it sends me down and i think it was the family who was the woman who sang family times denise williams and then she like yeah. protested the emmys by singing yep. a gospel, yep. gospel song. Yep. and yep. you were like apparently yes. anything i touch becomes interesting now and i was like that has been happening yeah. to me too so yeah I and i think that's one of the things that i, I enjoyed most you. even to the point that like you know things have been got you know the years the season's gotten a little long lately you know with, with things going on in our lives and just you know we kind of got backed up a little bit and we kind of been rushing the episodes a little bit more. Not that we didn't take care of a little bit, but, you know, things have been a little bit more hectic for us. Pulling then, back the curtain. I know. But but here we are. But and then today, but then <laughs> I started diving on something and I was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. I enjoy this. Like, I like this part. And so, yeah, you know, when you're a hammer, fun. everything's a nail. And so I found a way to talk about Fairy Tale of New York because it's the greatest Christmas song of all time, in my opinion, by the Pogues. Christmas Day. I think it's the greatest Christmas song of all time in any well, smart person's opinion. Don't play the part with the F slur, please. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all that. Oh, no. Is this going to be an apology for it? <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds so good. Yeah, it fits the genre perfectly of Christmas music. It's perfect. You know it's impossible not to just, just play the whole thing, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I just want to just do it. It really is. Cause it, well, because it's, it's, it's a ballad. Yeah, like, it's, it's a story. story. Yeah. You, can't, you can't give up on the story before it ends. And it, it nails the drunk Christmas party vibe. It does. And it also gives you this, like, beautiful sense of how hard it is to love someone. Mm. And it appeals to my obsession with New York. And, and everyone's obsession <laughs> with New York. Certainly theirs, which is a big part of the reason that they, you know, they're Irish and they're like, why did they write this about New York? It's like mm-hmm. literally just an obsession about New York. Like, let's set it there. But I can't yeah. play it for my daughter because they say yeah. the gay slur. If, if, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, how, well, what does this have to do with movies? What are you talking about? I found a way. You know, life will find a way, right? Uh, or the this was just featured in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. No. It sure was. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Wait, wait, wait. I'm more shocked that Heather hasn't seen it. Are you saving that one Dude, for the, Matt, the family night? I can't night keep up. Do you daughter? know how long it the fucking list out. of shit I'm it supposed to be out. watching is? <laughs> it just came out. And, uh, Get cracking. And uh, yeah, apparently this one's on it. And I'll say a little bit more about, the, the, about what's interesting about how it appears on there in a little bit. But, you know, this is a song that I don't, you know, it's I don't know how big it is in America. I mean, certainly I think people that I know know it, but in England it's like the um, it's it's the Mariah Carey song. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. the song that was like it was big when it came out. It's gotten bigger every year. It's it, well, don't they have a tradition where they try to make one number one? Well, okay, so yes. one of the big songs and and about a boy is a great movie about this. If you're interested in this, is that in in England. Um, they have the, whoever is the number one song at Christmas is the winner of this thing. And for some reason, the whole nation's obsessed with it. And you hear interviews with like really good yeah. musicians. They have very few things it. to be interested in over there. <laughs> they did George Michael's last They're Christmas. They're really into one it. Day. Like this is a really fun thing for them. And, um, this move, this song lost actually, it got number two the year it came out on Christmas day. It was number two, two always on my mind by the pet shop boys. Ah. So, okay. So I'll just do some real quick hits and then get into the bigger thing. Cause some of the stuff I think that I thought was pretty funny is Elvis Costello was their longtime producer before this record and they were working on this song for years and Elvis Costello's was like as they were working on it told them that uh oh you should call it Christmas in the drunk tank which 
is a terrible idea. Yeah. And McGowan knew it was a terrible idea and was like, why would we do that? Why would we not want to sell copies of this record? Like, you're guaranteeing that it's not going to get played. I'm trying to write like an actual Christmas I don't know. Song. British people love a good drunk joke, Well, though. I'll tell you what. Shane McGowan was right. Like, give it a pretty name. Yeah, like, he, def- he made the right choice. This is a pretty song. Like, we're going to give it a pretty name. Just because we have a CD thing in it doesn't mean that that's what we're going to name the damn song, Elvis. Also, it, get rid of him. it is a fairy tale. Yes. Like, like Shane is is not just uh, kind of vibesy, right? He's I also mean, like, yeah, it's, that's the story in the song. Is yeah. Like, it's like somebody who's yeah. dreaming of, of, totally. of they're in they're in jail and they're dreaming of not being in jail and, you know, yeah. and their loved one and, you know, the, their wife or girlfriend or whatever it is. Where the yeah. streets are paved with gold. And so they got a new producer, Steve Lillywhite, who uh, is probably best known for producing a lot of U2 stuff. Um, and... Um, Ireland's a small place. Yeah, and, but he's a great, he's a great producer. He's done, I mean, you go look at his Wikipedia; it's everything. I mean, he's done everything. He's he's great. And Steve Lillywhite got his wife to like record scratch vocals, and his wife was Christy McCall, who is the woman oh, wow. singing on this song. He oh, cool. came back and he played it for them to say like, okay, so this is what I'm thinking. This is how the song will go. You know, you've already given because the the demo was just Shane singing both sides of it, and he's like, so here's a scratch, and and they were like, no, that's it. She's she's the singer, and he talked about like. She captured so many different emotions that this song that that singer has to have, which is, you know, longing, anger, feisty, sad, like all these different sounds. And it's a real genuine voice. Like you feel like she's lived the life when you hear her saying, yeah, 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 for sure. So so she's on, you know, and then, you know, she you know, this is a big thing, you know, right. She big tour, you know, she's now a big part of this anyway. So the song's a big hit. And, I love that you we know, like still associate her with the song, even though she's just kind of like a featured voice, like not since Faith Evans and I'll be missing you. Have we allowed like a featured vocalist to be <laughs> as like closely associated with us? Well, song? she's she's pretty she's she's a much much more um, household name in England because she had a lot of other oh, she, af- after that. that she she ended up oh, going on did. and having a pretty that. successful career. She had lots of other okay. songs and albums and hits it. and yeah. So she okay. she she's it seems like she was pretty successful um, to us. Not so much, but you know, hey, I don't think this song is even that hugely successful here, although it is sort of beloved. Um, if you don't know this song, you should listen to it because there's some parts of the song that are a bit controversial because there's some um, words that have, um, they're probably never necessarily okay. Because there are homophobic they slurs in it. There's that, a homophobic that's the, so I'm mad at this one because I really like this song and I'm like, thanks guys. Now you can't, I can't blast it and hang out. Because then I'm just waiting for them to say that. There's also slut. There's arse. And these are varying degrees. I don't think anybody's really complaining about arse. You're wrong about that. You're wrong about that. And and I will tell you that you're wrong about <laughs> okay, that. Because sorry. this has been an issue in the BBC for 20 years. Well, okay. Auntie BBC might care. This has been like a lifelong or a 20-year, however long, debate. 30, 40 years, however long it's been on the BBC. And every couple of years, it, it comes up again to the point that like people, the, the debate about this song and this aspect of the song has now become the joke about the song. So it's like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? This has become the thing. Oh, this like, is the UK oh, version are we gonna of this Die Hard oh, a Christmas we're going to do this movie. again? Can in we England, still yeah. listen to Fairy Tale? Yeah, we're doing this again because every two years or so, it comes up on the BBC where like somebody's like, we're going to play <laughs> a version of the song where we bleep it. And then somebody else is like, 
we're not going to bleep it. Don't bleep it. And like everybody it, yeah. weighs in, you know, like Nick, K- they did it one year and Nick Cave was like, you've destroyed the whole point of the song. And um, are you going to play it on the podcast? Well, I don't have to play the whole song, so we don't even have to play that part. But Aha, the, um, the cop out the, you know, sometimes they've got <laughs> when it's been performed live, they've gotten, you know, depending on, you know, what channel they're on, the lyrics have been changed. One of the changes was getting them to instead of saying arse to say ass. <laughs> Because apparently that is less offensive. I mean, arse is less offensive than ass here. I would imagine that ass is less offensive than arse there. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, just say um, the C word instead, because British people can easily say that. It's, it's the same b- debate as Huck Finn. It's the question of, you know, are our characters in a story um, representative of the ideas of the people who create the story? Or are they allowed to depict the real lives of the people? the the world that they're in i'm a fiction guy so for me it's fine yeah but you're comparing Um, i i don't know i don't trust the pogues as much as they do mark twain i think it's a case by case for me i'm a fiction guy and i believe in the fiction of these characters i believe that this is what these characters would say and i think that the way they say it in the song is yeah it makes sense the right it's it's the right story it's it, it it's it's meaningful it's powerful uh, but, you know, hey, look, you know, this is p- people take different sides. And one of the uh, things that they've done is that they've the, the lyrics have been changed in some cases to uh, um, instead of, you know, dropping the F-bomb, they say uh, you're cheap and you're haggard. So there's a version for everyone. Pick the one yeah, that you like. The, che- it- the version that says you're cheap and you're haggard, which, by the way, is stupid because you've already said you're drunk. <laughs> so haggard's a waste of a word there. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. OK, they needed a word that rhymed. That's the one that appears in the holiday spe- in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Yeah. The point is, one need not deny oneself the melody or the story based on uh, some yeah. culture war stuff. You pick your side, you listen to your version, whichever one works for you, you're still going to get a melancholic and yet like deeply moving story of Christmas, which is what all Christmas songs should be able to do. They had to get the cops to come out to be in the music video. And the cops showed up so drunk that they demanded more liquor before they would record. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, we're talking about NYPD cops. How effing drunk must they have been? (laughs) I have seen NYPD cops in bars. Yeah, it's dark. What was, is your favorite episode of season one? Favorite episode? Yeah. If you had to recommend an episode to a new listener Mm. and say like, this is the one that really did it for me, what would it be? I don't know that these are, these are great episodes or not, but I'm going to do a tie between American Psycho and Charlie's Angels. And for the same reason for both, because Mm. in both of those, there were points that I thought, I don't know if this episode works for American Psycho was before it was when we were sitting down to record it. And I was like, this soundtrack is not good. Like, what the hell are we going to talk about? And, and then we ended up, I think, having a really fun episode. That's where the shadow soundtrack Yeah, and Charlie's Angels, I was like, this this movie blows. <laughs> I, you know, I know you disagree, Heather, but that's what I feel like. I couldn't stay awake. 
And uh, then, you know, whatever. So in both of those cases, I thought that like the episode ended up being a lot of fun and I didn't know that that was going to happen. And that that's, that's kind of cool. That's kind of exciting. I think we were definitely laughing hardest on Charlie's Angels. We were going to some weird places. The in that Angela one. Lansbury. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what that it was. is probably my favorite five minutes or however long it is of the entire that got weird. Yeah, that's that was great. The funniest shit ever. We love you, Angela. Matt, what about you? What was your favorite episode? You know, looking at um, the list, I think there was some weird magic happening on the Dirty Dancing episode. I yeah, totally agree with you. My, my favorite Joshua is a tie between was like, Dirty Dancing and American Psycho. It? Yeah. Well, because Joshua was like so moved and yeah. confused and surprised why he loved Dirty Dancing so <laughs> it much. It was so also. fun to watch his then, reaction to it. <laughs> yeah. And then Heather was just out of her mind. I think she took bath salts <laughs> before. And you were just like not self-editing at all and just like yes, going for that it. Was and great. it was just making yeah. me laugh. And you were just like out of control and having the best time. And, and then like throwing out these weird insights. And then you also explained to me, and I realized that the guy from Dirty Dancing is in Muppet Steak Manhattan, <laughs> which is a, a big moment for me. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, both of you were just like reacting so hard to everything. It's just this like fun way. And it was reminding me who I grew up with this movie, um, had, like lorded by like my older sister who lorded it over me. Um how much I really liked the movie too. And it was just kind of fun watching everyone yeah. just get into that. And the music, I still, I think, oh yeah, I declared it. The yeah. You liked the music. Soundtrack. Joshua and I were both like, and we could take guys, or leave the music. And then you guys really <laughs> made a case for like the eighties music that made me think a little differently about it. Cause I always thought that was like the weak spot. Yeah. But then you guys were kind of making me think like, Oh, maybe you can make period pieces with new music and not just be doing it in some like um, Tarantino-esque kitschy way and, and do it. Yeah, in, like, especially if it's Patrick Swayze singing it, right? Fucking Patrick <laughs> Oh yeah, but that was that was the dark uh, spot. Jesus I Christ. still uh, I still am catching my breath with how viciously <laughs> Heather was like dehumanizing this dead man. <laughs> what, we're supposed to just like respect him because he's in the ground? I am still traumatized um, by that. So Heather, what do you got? Uh, oh, for favorite episode? Yeah. No, f- no, no, no. My question is favorite co-host. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I gen- <laughs> Oh no, don't answer. I yeah, don't answer. <laughs> genuinely believe <laughs> that we are remarkably well balanced. Yes, I agree. It is a pretty solid three-legged stool. Yes, of great stool sample. Sorry. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Perfect. <laughs> perfect fucking christ wait you didn't say your favorite episode i loved the dirty dancing gave me an excuse to think about this movie that i had grown up with in this very like like it's a girlhood movie you know and i had only ever understood it in the terms of my own girlhood and then to see it again as an adult and think about how complicated it is as a movie and like how much of our respect it deserves artistically, like from a storytelling perspective, from a political perspective, from just like a, how do you make art in a capitalist society perspective? Like I was, I really liked thinking about that movie and I really liked talking about it with the two of you. Um, And then American Psycho was just 
I couldn't ever have imagined that I would be able to be interested in that piece of shit movie. <laughs> I think the kids love it. Um, they do. I they keep do seeing love it. it pop up. The young people, the new generation, that's it's a true. classic for them now. I see people reference it as a straight up great movie all the time. And I'm just. Yeah. Which just, is. I came I mean, around to it a little more I than I know you that guys. intellectually now. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I, I think like you helped me to do that a little bit. Certainly Joshua's story of Dom DeLuise, the <laughs> fucking phantom also helped. <laughs> um, and it also helped me to think about what genre mm -hmm. the movie was in, like tr figuring out, is this a horror movie? Is it a thriller? Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Also helped me to better understand the movie. And that's the kind of uh, watching experience I would never have if it weren't for the show. I'm not going to sit around on my couch and be and like turn to my people and be like, what genre do you think this movie is, guys? I definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, poor Emily. And Emily's like, shut up, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So it was it was really nice to have an excuse to to do that because I think it it helped me think about the movie differently. And the music of that movie is so bananas crazy. Yeah. And it was really fun to listen to such a nonsense fucking soundtrack as that one. Yeah, that was that was the most insane soundtrack. Plus, I, like I said, I think that the store, I think the episode itself is a is it's one I would recommend to people. Like if I were, if I were, if someone said yeah. to me, "Okay, you guys have enough episodes now. Like, where should I start?" I I might say yeah. like. American Psycho isn't a bad place. Someone, to one of our listener friends, told me that was the one that was just hitting on all the things that they like about the podcast. They're like, we were having fun, we were enjoying it, we were putting the movie in a new context, we were arguing about it, but then we were also came up with the shadow soundtrack idea and came up with like a new way to think about soundtracks and had some background fun facts. But and they they said yeah. like that was you guys are just firing on all pistons in that one to toot our own. Yeah, horn. it takes a little. It takes a little while to like find your footing in yeah. a show. And I think that, you know, more than half of season one ended up being after we really found mm -hmm. our footing, but yeah. not a lot more than half. Like the, and that American Psycho to me is like one of the episodes yeah. in yeah. that sort of middle moment when right. we were first figuring out like, yeah. oh, this is how it works. There was definitely moments that I have very distinct moments where I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Some alchemy started to happen. I crunched the numbers on our oh, yeah. top episodes. I haven't looked at this in a while. Download per day. Okay. So this gets a little complicated because when an episode newly comes out, it gets more, it gets a lot of downloads, you know? So like, so I'm going with episodes that have been out for at least 90 days in okay, this, yeah. because if they've been out less than that, they're just, they're just sort of, have, they haven't had a chance. To they they have there. a lot like right now. Yeah. Like right now, guardians of the galaxy would be number one and it's not going to be number one. Ultimately <laughs> it's just that, you know, the averages work that way. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. The, <laughs> so based on Sometimes the episodes you know. that have been out for a while, you know, so not excluding the last couple, what do you think are the top five episodes? Now, this doesn't mean they're the best. It just means they're the most popular. And it also has to do with people's relationship to the soundtrack. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Probably has a lot to do with searchability and things like that. 
Well, we had a we had a, a big battle going on for a while. We had the the bo- the boomer the boomer Gen X. Yeah, you should get a couple of them for sure. Which was the big chill versus Romeo and Juliet. Okay, so so do you want to go ahead and guess which ones those are? You mean like what rank they are? Yeah, we're doing the top five. So uh, this is oh, last shit. I checked, but I haven't been up on it. Yep. But I think Romeo and Juliet held its place at number one. Yeah. Stayed and, there, and then Big Chill at number two. Right, and that's not just total downloads. That's per. They're still the king and queen per day. They get the most downloads. <laughs> oh, I like yeah, that. They get the most a downloads queen. per day, and 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 Romeo and Juliet <laughs> is way ahead. Like you know, the the Big Chill is also a very successful one. These are definitely these two are more successful than any of our other ones. But Romeo and Juliet. I didn't realize the power of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, soundtrack. me neither, man. This soundtrack is. Popular. It is. It is definitely the far and away number. Do you? One. Do the two of yeah. you believe me now that it was like really Clearly. influential? Yeah. No, it's it's the the numbers bear it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but I didn't know it was that. Okay, so what else is in the top five? I would put uh, something else that's in the top five. Pulp Fiction in there. Go ahead, Matt. Pulp Fiction is five, think? the lowest one. Pulp Fiction is at number four. Oh, it's at number four. Okay, Heather, what were you going to say? I was going to say Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing is number five, so all we're missing is number three. Oh, we're playing Family Feud really effectively, is, Matt. Let's not is, pass uh, the family. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got Romeo and Juliet at one, The Big Chill at two, uh, Pulp Fiction at four, and Dirty Dancing at five. Oh, These are our top five. The perfect movie soundtrack. Episodes. What do we go with, Heather? What do we do five. with number three? I mean, three? surely Train Spotting takes That's what the I, last one. Survey says. Yes, train spotting is number three. Uh-huh. Train spotting. <laughs> train spotting is number three. Ming, 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 ming. Yeah, so that's it. Romeo and Juliet one, the big chill two, train spotting so three. Train spotting had enough time to get up there because that one was moving. It's getting up there fast. It's already the top four. Not not per day, but total. It's I already like uh, number four. F- it's already past Pretty in Pink and things that have like been up there all year. Pulp Fiction's gonna fall out of the top five. Can we just take a moment? To say Pretty in Pink took one for the team and went first, but if it hadn't, it would you be think? up there. No, Pretty Pink is still Pretty Pink is still doing very well. You know what is surprised doing surprisingly well, in my opinion, is uh, 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 Judgment Night. Is is well, is it deserves to because it has, numbers. I would argue, one yeah. of the finest soundtracks of A any lot of we've looked know that, at. Apparently, because I think that's what they're looking for. They're not coming here for yeah. the movie. <laughs> Well, here's a take that I never would have been able to have in the 90s, but I am perfectly capable of having now, which is that all I want for Christmas is you deserves every penny of its three jillion yeah, dollars right. of royalties. How, how high is it on it's your all-time it. list? It's arrived. Is it, is it a, is it's it arrived top, as a Christmas is classic. Is it a top 10 Christmas song? Is it a top five Christmas song? Is it a top 50 Christmas song? Where do you rank it? It's not one of my personal top 10 songs of the season that like really put me in the mood or that I can listen to over and over and over throughout the month. But I would say... Yeah, I think I'm asking a more objective list than that. Yeah, but I think that it is in the top three of songs that put people in the mood. Yeah. And I think one of the most important vectors in deciding your Christmas party playlist is whether you will make people feel good or not. And this song makes people feel good. Sure. Now, what is its role in movie making? It's interesting 
the movie that it it's best represented in is Love Actually. Before we talk about this mm-hmm. in any depth, just very quickly, what is each of your like gut reactions about the movie Love Actually? I loved it when it came out. Actually, I saw it several times it? in the theater. I absolutely loved it. And I have seen that everybody now hates it. And so I've kind of been scared to revisit it because I don't want to hate it because I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I liked my memory of enjoying it. So I've never revisited it. Okay. Matt? I've, o- I've only saw it for the first time a few years uh. ago. And it is offensively bad, <laughs> not just in cultural <laughs> ways, just in filmmaking <laughs> ways. It is. And I know Heather loves when we hate stuff, but... I remember I am a, I've, I've come to terms with, I'm a rom-com fan and I love the old ones. And then the rom-coms started getting out of control. They had jumped the shark and love. Actually, I remember by the time stuff like love, actually, I was just like too cool for it. And I was like, never admit you enjoyed all those rom-coms go on to college, be cool. <laughs> and then when I come back and then I stop watching them and then I come back to the older ones and I was like, Oh, I still like these movies. And uh, someone made a joke about it and I know all the, it's one of those things, you know, all the jokes about. And then Emily was like, you've never seen love actually. And I was like, yeah, is it good? And she's like, I remember liking it when I saw it. Same with Joshua. And I was like, fire it up. It's the holiday season. Let's do this. And I was just like amazed at how much culture had changed <laughs> kind of thing. And just how cheesy and bad it was. And I was like, I can't believe this was everyone just needed a new movie this, or something around the movie, holidays and it filled that gap because we didn't have one? Maybe so there's enough famous people in it. perfectly encapsulates. And you know me. You, I love Harry Met Sally. T- yes, so I'm like, know you. I should you be the audience. Take, you should be the audience. <laughs> this movie so perfectly encapsulates the early aughts. It's like, it's, it's yes, it's, it's very just, early aughts. It's just that, it's that Bad like post September 11th <laughs> halo. Of like, we've still, we're still holding on to these like 90s storytelling tropes of intersecting disparate narratives. Yeah. And, yeah. but it's revved up to like, you can, 10 of you them. can fucking Google love actually character relationships. You can Google image search it and it'll come up with like all these fucking mind maps and like family trees and genealogies about how all of the like 15 different <laughs> short stories in the movie intersect with one another. Like it's one of those movies, right? It's traffic in that in that structure that for a while was like Hollywood's go-to way to make yeah. a m- but wasn't it du- they doubled down though it's even like more oh, there are like 15 different usual. stories <laughs> in love actually maybe even more it's than wild, that yeah um and some of the connections are so tenuous and really like insignificant yeah. to the to the plot or to the like emotional resonance of the movie and in the beginning, if you'll recall, it starts with a Hugh Grant voiceover. Um, Hugh Grant plays <laughs> the prime minister. The prime minister. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. Um, and it starts with him <laughs> talking about how whenever he gets sad, he thinks about the arrivals yeah. hall at Heathrow. And all of the people oh, right. meeting. Right, right. Because they're, they're ripping off that uh, uh, Cinema Paradiso. That's at the end, right. Which I think, is, I think is actually a cool, I think is a cool movie. And the whatever. other thing he says I I seen it. about... Uh, this mo- in this voiceover moment is that like just keep in mind all all the messages that everyone who who died on September 11th sent yeah they were all messages of love 
So like that's the echo. That's like what's these are like the anxieties. That's yes, that's what he says yes. at the beginning. Yes, he he invokes <laughs> September 11th in the opening voice, and then he says so. You're not allowed to not it's, like this it's movie. It's just, it's like the cultural anxieties <laughs> around do. like separation and loss and like uh, new world order are right there on the surface. We're still reaching back into the like narrative structures of the late nineties to help ground us and give us like a sense of value in the and movie. And they're trying to get that old nineties rom-com charm totally. turning for one last and time. And we've got this cast Give it some the holiday cast steroids. is insane. It's got yeah. Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson and Hugh Grant in it. Like there and and Bill well, yeah, Nye. The like there are like, some oh, this guy's in it. Oh, this guy's actors in it. Well, here, let me explain something that's really strange. Watching this for like the first time is there's so many characters in it because they're really like going for it that right. every single story has two to three yes. scenes, and it's, like at most, and they try to really so like. And they have to give you, they have to pull your heartstrings. In. So they have to have a setup and a punchline or the punchline is like feel love or whatever. <laughs> so it's not a punchline. And I always wish there was a, a cut of this movie, you know, when they like mess with Godfather one and two, where yeah. they would just show you everyone's story by itself because they really don't make no. sense. And the way the characters react and move and they're just looking for like the setup and then a, a, a rom-com ending. Set up rom-com ending. Set up rom-com ending. And it's just really weird. In the theater, after they had set up for a long time that the American president is coming to meet Hugh Grant, and then the American president walks out and Billy Bob Thornton. Thornton. That was a legit, <laughs> legitimate, oh, yeah. huge <laughs> laugh in the movie theater. Because at the time, remember, we were dealing with George Bush. And so the yeah. fact that it was Billy Bob Thornton, that laugh was genuine. I mean, I was God, in that, that room. That really it is early odds. This is a it very is a early odds. Very movie. early odds. Really movie. funny. And the way that it layers in "All I Want for Christmas Is You" is to me like one of the best scenes in the movie. Yes, it's charming. Um, also, probably helped solidify it as a probably, classic. although. Because when that song came out, it just felt like another pop yeah, song. Yeah, no, the song has picked up steam it, in the it, set, very much so. True, yeah. but now that 1994 song is it's the juggernaut. 11th best-selling yeah. single in any genre in any nation-state of all time. And you can't not play it on a radio station that plays Christmas music or they shut you down. The day after um, Thanksgiving... Mariah Carey like tweets out just like dollar signs and shit. Yeah, she yeah. she she makes and every she came at late. She came to it later too. We were all like into it, and then she was like, "Wait, yeah, wait, wait, hold on." You guys all love this song again. She just gets checks thrown at her every Dude, year. I watched five the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. She was there. Yeah. This Thanksgiving Day Parade, she was doing. Yes, it. five years ago, the royalties on this song yeah. were calculated in excess of sixty million. <laughs> so. Add on five more years wow. since then. Talk about a Christmas miracle. She co-wrote this that song. We've wild. seen this over and over in season one. We've, we've talked about this in a million different instances, actually. She co-wrote this shit in 15 fucking minutes. She did not treat it seriously. She did not think it... I hope everybody that worked on this song is... List I know there's only two co-writers, her and one other person. That's right. I hope all the other people that worked on it... I'm sure. ...got paid. She didn't want to make a Christmas album. She was... 
being bullied by fucking Tommy Mottola of Sony Music, who was her, her husband, husband right? at the time. Yes. And uh, and he's like significantly older. And her take was like, mm-hmm. I'm not fucking Patsy Cline. Like, I, yeah. I'm a young girl. Like, I don't want to make a fucking Christmas album. And he pushed it and she did it. And it's also a very uncool commercial thing to do if you're Super taking it uncool. as an artist. Until you're older, but this, it's like yeah. the career saver. This bitch nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the scene in the movie, for those of you who don't remember, uh, that weird little tweaker blonde kid who's like a little hobbit character <laughs> uh, is in love with his American... Uh, like foreign exchange student in his school. And he's he's Liam Neeson's stepson. His mom has died. Liam Neeson is brokenhearted. The li- weird little elfin blonde kid is brokenhearted because the American girl doesn't That's a 30 him. second scene, all that information. <laughs> and so he decides, Liam Neeson tells him, you need to, like, she's a singer. You need to, like, join the talent show and back her up on drums. Oh, I didn't which remember the that. little weird elfin kid does and does a great job of. So this version is the actress who plays this like tween in the movie covering one of the like most preternaturally gifted sopranos of pop music history and she does an incredible job of it She really sounds truly amazing. It's her vocals that appear on the soundtrack. And it's, if you don't get like a little bit teary in the moment, then something is. In the movie? Yes, or in, in the just movie. The song? In the movie. Like. Oh, she, Jaggers and Matt. She does such a great job. She's such a cute kid. I, I mean, I, throw up I was probably bawling. <laughs> I was getting out of is the deal. Christmas is for feeling feelings, even for people who don't typically feel feelings. It is a time to be mm-hmm. safe in your sadness, to be like safe in your nostalgia, your personal nostalgia. You can even go so far as to like touch a little bit of cultural nostalgia if you want. It is <gasps> Heather. It is down. the moment when it is all okay to uh to like feel deeply yeah let it all out yeah. and yeah. love actually it is, it is the sentimental is, a, yep. is kind of a trashy movie but all i want for christmas is you is i mean it deserves all 60 million of its dollars when you touch my hand how can you do this thing to me it's bound to be talk think of my lifelong at sorrow at least there will be plenty implied if you got pneumonia and die I really can't get stay. over that old doubt baby. Oh, but it's, it's cold, cold outside I was just yeah and I was just thinking like in the vast world and weird world of small and big Christmas movies what Christmas crimes have we committed that we are like probably omitting something huge we all haven't thought? Of? Uh, I'll tell you one. People, people um, can tell and, um, us what they people are. People love that elf I can't song with uh, with uh, Will Ferrell and, and Zoe Billy does Dash not. Elf. Of course they, they fucking sing do. It, they sing it in the uh, shout. Like they oh, sing it to duet. Yeah. Uh, baby, it's they cold cover outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. People love that shit. Uh, so that's definitely one that people would put very high on the list. I really must go because that movie is like entered the pantheon. That people consider that movie like a a top. 
you know, five Christmas movie. Yeah, that made it into the classics yeah. now. There's the annual ones, like the annual ones from when we were younger, Christmas Vacation, Elf, Home Alone. Um, I think those are the big ones that came out. Christmas Story. The Christmas Story. That was a little before then, too, right? It's like 84 or something. It's not that old. The interesting thing about, though, about, like, how these movies, like, enter the, like, how an elf, so I saw Elf Elf in the theater, and, and I thought it was fine. I, I didn't like it that much, but at no point during watching it did I think, like, oh, this is going to become, like, a top five Christmas movie. Yeah. It never, it never, never even occurred to me. Personally. So, when that's, when that happened, I was sort of like, wow, I, that's wild. But the interesting thing about, like, this whole genre is that it's not an old genre. I mean, sure, like, Silent Night is old. Like, these songs are old, right? But, like, there's so much of this shit that happened, like, not that long ago, you know? Like, a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is not an ancient song, you know? <laughs> you know, there, there's, like, yeah. a lot of this stuff that, like, feels ancient that is not really that ancient. It's sort of an interesting thing that, like, things enter the Christmas canon all the time, you know? Which is good, because we need What's, a little what, injection What are the modern ones that are going to... Well, the Mariah Carey one would be a modern one, for sure. No, but I mean the really that you know that's 1994. I'm wondering what's happening now. Oh, I'll tell uh, you again. Like Will Farrell's Elf, and that, that we're rolling. Our I eyes will at, tell you that will stick around for 20 years. One of the best new Christmas albums of the last few years is Sia's. Ooh, fucking candy cane Christmas and Snowman are two of the songs on that album. That album is so good. You should absolutely listen to it and layer some of it into your Christmas playlist. She nails the Christmas album. I was going to say, do you know it's not a Christmas classic, but my wife has discovered a year or two ago and plays every year now and loves it. There's a old um, Shaggy Christmas in the Islands. Remember <laughs> Shaggy? Shaggy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, was it me? Um, he has a Christmas album and she loves it. And it sounds exactly like what you think shaggy Christmas it would sound album. like if Shaggy was writing some songs and covering some songs and she plays it all the time. And it's, and I was like, this one didn't make it, but she rediscovered it. And who knows, maybe in years to come, the shaggy Christmas <laughs> album will become a thing. Through the years, we'll all be together. If the faith allows And your shining star upon the eyes bound. Baby, It's Cold Outside was actually originally written for a movie. What movie? It didn't exist. Ooh, it was written for one? a movie. Do you want to guess the name of the movie? Is it a movie yeah. we know? No, of course not. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I've yeah. never heard of it. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody has. It's called Neptune's Daughter from 1949. Whoa. I was, oh, I was in the, I was going to say Barbara Stanwyck's Christmas in Connecticut. <laughs> no, it wasn't in that. No, but, but it's interesting because like a lot of these that are like literally classics, like we, we know really well, they only exist because they were written to be a Christmas song, you know, like, like it was literally a task of somebody to like, Hey, yeah. go write a Christmas song. And they did. And when they achieved it, it's like, oh yeah, no, it enters the canon and it feels like Silent Night or something like that, where it just feels like, no, this has been around forever. And so some of these are movie ones and I have some of them mm -hmm. here. Have Oh, that's great. So they're written for movies and that's how they became. For movies. Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Do you know the movie? Oh. 
No, but I love that 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 is yeah, only exists because of does. the movie. Is it a movie with like Donna Reed? In you're it? you're in the you're in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, Judy Garland uh-huh. sings it, and it's oh. Meet Me in St. Louis. Wait, Donna Reed, Judy yeah. Julie Garland is not in the no, same. I'm realm saying as she's Donna. in the same on. time same period, same time frame. Let, They're like contemporaries. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I just feel like she's more of a legend. Well, I mean, Donna Reed was in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> this is me being, Judy Garland apparently was I'm in Wizard a, of Oz. That's those are pretty good movies. Don't front on It's a Wonderful Life, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, uh, I like It's a Wonderful Life. Silver Bells. Silver Bells. Yes, that was for some movie called Lemon Drop, uh, the Lemon Drop Kids, and it's a Bob Hope caper. Oh, I bet it is. I like Silver yeah. Bells. Yeah. I think Silver Bells is a good song. I've actually seen Bob Hope. I never knew he was the originator. This is a great list, Joshua. This is awesome research. I'm well, loving this. I don't have a lot of them, but I, I'm mostly interested in it because I feel like these songs, you're kind of handed them down like they're like evolutionarily yeah. important you know <laughs> it's like, like that like, they were like no, sung by like, celtic monks or yeah, something <laughs> right like like the, you're, yeah you're being handed these like myths and it's like no some of them were literally like uso songs <laughs> yeah a uso yeah. song or like a jewish yeah. guy who was like the composer yeah like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer <laughs> irving berlin wrote like the most christmas songs ever and it's like you know these guys are just like yeah, yeah okay it's my job i gotta write this song here we go and they're good at it that's so great. So Christmas is really just a post-war pop culture. Well, effort. there's definitely a big... It seems like it's a lot of late 40s, so, 50s, yes, and, it, and then people in the 60s remembered their parents doing Actually, it. it starts a little bit earlier than that. In 30s on the radio. So if you... I didn't really... Okay. I don't have this list all in front of me, but like really this list starts in the 30s. Because in the 30s is when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer starts and Frosty the Snowman. It's like, that's when like radio becomes like, you have to write Christmas songs. Mm. Okay, let's come up with them. But they came up with like all timers. They came up with things that people that every kid in America knows, yeah. you know, like that's crazy. Oh man, I want to hear like the ones that just never made it. Christmas duds. That's the playlist you have to make. So Heather. like, I don't have a lot more. I don't have a lot more there because... Those are the biggest ones that were for movies, except for one I'm going to get to in a moment here. But um, uh, one that's kind of a side is a most wonderful time of the year. It wasn't in a movie necessarily, but it was written for a a television t- Christmas special, the Andy Women Andy Williams Christmas special. They wrote most wonderful. My time daughter of the year loves that. that song. Yeah, it's a fun it song. It hits. Yeah. It hits like she like instantly like you know they picked the one she likes the mariah carey one and then she likes it's the most wonderful time i associate that one with department stores i'm like that's the one that makes me want to like totally buy perfume (laughs) for my mom (laughs) all right so now i have the big now i have your quiz okay all right the most famous christmas song written for a movie it's white christmas oh sure oh okay okay I would I would not think of that. The My quiz time. is this, because The White Christmas was written for a movie, right? Here's my quiz. White Christmas mm-hmm. was written for A, White Christmas. B, of course it's White Christmas. <laughs> C, why is this even a quiz? It's White Christmas, you freaking idiot. D, Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Matt? White Christmas. No, Heather's got it. <laughs> White Christmas was written for Holiday Inn, which came out about 15 years or so earlier. I thought it was a Lenny Riefenstahl it's film. It's crazy that they, this song was a big hit in Come on, this. Guys, it that was, was a, a good huge joke. Hit. And then they had to write a movie to match the song because the song was in such this a movie, hit. movie, yes, the, <laughs> the, the, the movie was such a hit. Wait, the song that was such okay. A hit. 
Bing That's Crosby amazing. was in White Christmas and I mean in Holiday Inn and they're like we need to do this movie again. It's almost the same movie. Now it's a bit different. It's the but MCU it it, of mid-century. Yeah, it has an end. So th- they even use some of the same sets. Oh like they're God. just like Let's just do it again, and this time we'll just call it White Christmas. And Wait, just to back it up. Yeah. So Holiday Inn was the movie. It had the song White Christmas in it. White Christmas was yes. so powerful. They're like, it just has to be its own movie called White like Christmas. Like 15 years later. <laughs> That's right, awesome. Because it was such a giant moneymaker. I don't have the current numbers in front of me of the greatest, the most best-selling singles of all time. But as of about seven years ago, this was the the number one most selling single in U.S. history. 50 million <laughs> copies of this terrifying. single. People love Christmas music. It's not even the best Christmas song. No, although White Christmas is a very good movie. White Christmas is a great movie. That song is such a classic. True. Also, we wouldn't have Blue Christmas without White Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas is great. I love Christmas. And, yeah, that's probably true. And, and Blue Christmas is a very good song. Blue Christmas is uh-huh. top uh-huh. 10 uh-huh. Christmas songs. Yeah, that's a great one. is the world of the perfect movie soundtrack podcast we will give you mariah carey we will give you the pogues we will give you national lampoons and die hard and we will claim that that is all you need to celebrate christmas uh one thing that that is left (laughs) to say is the fact that that this is the end of the first season and that we're uh gonna you know take a break it's gonna be nice we're gonna take a little break yeah we're going to take it's a break for, me. for yeah. Joshua's new baby. We're going to yeah. take a break for everybody to spend some time with their families. And all podcast listeners know that all podcasts take a break this time of year. And you just have to sit through it and listen to some reruns and decide that it's time to go back and re re-listen to Judgment Night. Or listen to Waiting for ex- <laughs> Waiting to Exhale for the first time. Because let me tell also you, the numbers option. are low. <laughs> You guys, Waiting to Exhale, not you guys, Joshua and Matt, you guys, listeners, Waiting to Exhale is a good episode. It is an it is. important movie. You should listen to the fucking Babyface album. It is not fucking around. Oh, that sure. was... And you will, you will, we, and, and yeah. you should hear the Mary J. Blige's demo reel uh, oh my God. in the episode as you well. You really should. Um, <laughs> but we will, we will be back for season two. It is a short break. It is not a forever break. Um, and we love to hear all of your movie recommendations, of course. But this really is, if you have one, the yes. best time to send it to us as we prep I mean, for the next season. For sure. I mean, and keep in mind the fact that, like, we all had, like, like, like things in our pocket that we wanted to do. Like, I wanted to do Judgment Night. Heather wanted to do Pretty in Pink. Matt wanted to do When Harry Met Sally. We're a lot. We're we're we're. We're going to be looking for suggestions a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do, but if one of you wants to hear something particularly bad, that's probably going to influence us a bit. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I've had I have two people yelling at me that we haven't done singles. Yeah, uh, that's singles. that's definitely just that's because it's such a sure. soundtracky sure. moment singles of is a good one. Um, 
also next year, in addition to new movies and new music, of course, uh, we're going to get a website because it's about time. And we think that uh, those of you who have been listening and recommending to your friends and leaving reviews and ratings deserve some prizes for helping us out in that regard. And so we're going to incentivize that a bit. There will be some contests to uh, get get some of those ratings and reviews up and to recommend to your friends. And really, we just like cannot thank you enough for listening and joining us in year one of our show. It has been so much fun for us, and we hope it has been as much fun for you. And that all of your holidays include like lots of snuggles on the couch, watching the movies that you love with the people that you most love to watch them with, and uh, running the grooves on your records over and over and over until you can't stand it anymore, and it's finally time to go back to work on January 2nd. Matt? Or listen to the podcast. Well, I, Matt, do you want to, so um, I have a gift for the listeners and for uh, both of you as well. I love gifts. Um, yes. Okay. So Ooh. this is a gift. This is an audio. Happy this, holidays indeed. This is an audio gift that I'm, I'm not going to announce what it is. Instead, I'm going to just start playing it and hopefully my co-host will figure out what it is and we will go from there. Um, All right. Is this going to take us out? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I think you probably want to react to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's 1988. Yep. The year, the year of the dragon. Uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union. George Bush beats Dukakis. Uh, <gasps> Rihanna's. Born. This is my brilliant opening and to our first uh, attempt at a something episode ever cocktail. Here. Oh yeah. Yes. The first McDonald's opens in a communist country. Any guesses on that? Uh, which country? On which yes, country? Yes, the first McDonald's opens in a communist country. <laughs> Any guesses? In 1988? <laughs> yes. Very on brand. Nope. No. I bet it's uh, the Czech Republic, which would have been then Czechoslovakia. It was Yugoslavia in Belgrade. Belgrade. Okay. Then it was communist for like one more year, and it was hamburgers for all. Yes, exactly. Because it's, it's the end of the 80s. Oh, and the Iran. Uh, Why didn't we release this? off? <laughs> anyway, so that's what's going on. There's your world context, but it's also 1988, and Cocktail starring Tom Cruise, and the illustrious soundtrack comes out. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Cruise. He's got the style. He's got the look. All right, so my gift to you is that one of the things that will happen over this break is that you will get to hear our lost first episode, which I have been working on <gasps> oh in my secret. God. No, you haven't. Last several months. Oh, my months. God. Yes. Uh, the, the cocktail, the first episode we ever recorded, the sound quality sucks. <laughs> we don't have very good focus. We're kind of all over the place, but I've tried to fix that as best I can. The episode will be a bit weird, but I think that uh, that everybody can deal with that. And Amazing. We'll There's still great insights in it. There's still fun stuff in it. I mean, we find out about Heather's parents' cult. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, you're good at editing now, so uh, you know you'll I, make it. You'll make it uh, listenable. I'll tell for you our, what. I'm go my 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 goal has audience. been to make it listenable, but my goal has also and it's been taken to, me to, nine months. No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> my goal has also been to let it remain the flawed thing that it is. Oh, I, that's I, good. I, I Ooh, want it okay. to be a record of of the first time we that, tried to do this. That, it's it's it's, it's, it's a little messy. It's a little weird. But uh, it's you know it's fun. It's fun, and and it'll it'll give you something to listen to during our break. I'll, we'll release it in a couple weeks. That's awesome! Wow, from the All vault. Right. It's from the vault. From the Digging vault. Digging into the vault. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, everybody.
Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I wish I knew the next line. (laughs) (laughs) For the final time in 2022, thank you so much for listening. We have really enjoyed making these episodes for you this year. We've enjoyed hearing from you this year, and we're really excited about next year. Like we said, we're going to take a bit of a break, but we'll pump out some stuff for you in the meantime, namely The Lost episode that first cocktail episode will come to you in a couple weeks and uh you know may put together some other things in the meantime as well we'll see if you've enjoyed the podcast this year and you haven't had a chance to give us a rating and a review at your podcast site of choice we sure would appreciate it one of the things we'll be doing over the break is a bit of planning so you know hey if you've got a great idea for us we'd love to hear it of course your recommendations for soundtracks you'd like to hear us do but hey if you know the music supervisor to sister act two back in the habit let us know we'd love to have them on for heather and matt this is joshua we'll see you soon